So when we decided to do the Minor Prophets last spring, I hesitated. I knew they would be hard. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Okay. These are hard books. But I have learned to admire these prophets. And I have learned to treasure each one. And the times in which they lived are really no different than our times today. So I have to admire their faith. Many of you have come and asked me, when are we going to get out of the minor prophets? <laughs> Some of you have even said, what are we going to study next year? And I get that. I get that. This has been hard, but I commend you for sticking it out. You have been faithful, even in the difficult times. So we are right there today with Habakkuk, because he had had enough. So let's begin by just a little review of where he lived and what was going on at the time. Because in order for us to appreciate the Lord and what he's doing where we live in our time, we have to see it in the context of why this book was written, who it was written to. So first of all, we have this. This is where uh, David had his kingdom. And Solomon, his son, had his kingdom. And then their sons came along, and the two split apart. They had Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And then these wicked Assyrians, remember, uh, from Nineveh, the ones that, that Jonah didn't like, they came and they took out this kingdom. They took it away. All right. So now what's going to happen is all we have left is the bottom part. But the Babylonians are going to come from here up over the foot of Crescent, they're going to take Nineveh. Those people are going to be gone. And then they're going to come down and they're going to take this area. Why does everybody want this area? Because there's three continents here and this is the trade route. And that's why they want this area. The Crescent, it's called the, the Fertile Crescent right here. And there's three continents. And this is the trade route between the three continents. That's why they want this property. It's location, location, location. <laughs> all right, so let's anchor ourselves. When was this happening? So first of all, I don't know if you can read this. This is David and Solomon. And then their sons came along, and uh, Israel went to the north, and Judah went to the south. And they, they kept going into sin. They kept going into sin, but they were worse. And then God sent some of our minor prophets to them, sent Amos and Hosea. And then we had the terrible Ninevites come along, but God sent two prophets to them. He sent Jonah and, who is that? <laughs> See, my eyes are bad today. So anyway, so whoever that is, he was sent to them too. And, and so because God loved these people, remember Jonah? That was such an important book for us to see how God loves even our enemies. So now these people are gone, they're gone, and all we have left is Judah. What's that? If we lose power. <laughs> okay, so then we had, we had Joel, and we had Micah, Zephaniah, and here we are, Habakkuk, right before they are taken out in exile. If I had to do this over again, and ladies, we probably won't study the minor prophets again for a long time, but if I had to do 
it over again. I would put Daniel here at the end because it's a very hopeful book about what happens to people when their world goes, okay? So, and then we had Edom, of course. All right. So, I'm going to have lead us in a centering prayer again today, and I have been meditating on 2 Timothy 3.16, so I've changed the words a little. But this is what God wants us to think about all of his scripture. So let's get yourself in a posture of centering prayer, and we're going to say this together. God, by your Holy Spirit, we invite you today to show us that all your scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we, your women of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work for who? Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so now we're going to inhale what God have, has breathed and look at what grieved Habakkuk. Now, some of you might say Habakkuk, and some of you might say Habakkuk, but it doesn't matter. I checked a Jewish website. It doesn't matter how you say it. So we're gonna, I'm just going to say it over one. So the prophecy of Habakkuk, the prophet that he received. So Habakkuk is living in this time. He sees all of this injustice and evil that's going on around him, and he is praying, God, what are you doing? And he, some theologians say that it, well, this went on for over 20 years that he prayed this prayer. And he's, he says nothing is changing. Every day I get up and I look at the news and I say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Deliver us from evil. Okay, so that's what Habakkuk was praying. So as I read this, I put this up here because we don't have to go very far to see injustice and violence. And this is this was a, a death in a public park just here in, in Bellevue where someone was shot. So he starts out and he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. And when the Lord is capitalized, it's Yahweh. My face-to-face, -face, Lord, you're not listening to me. Or I cry out to you, violence. Now, violence is used about six times in this book. And it means more than just the act of violence. It's the complete uh, moral, physical violence that's taking place. So he says, uh, yes, but you don't say, what? Why do you make me even look at this injustice? I hate even getting up and looking at the news. I hate it. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction, violence is before me. The shooting that went on in Seattle, Third Avenue, where I catch the bus. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked have in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. I sat on that verse for a whole week. It's so horrible to have to look at perverted justice. So, this is an article about um, sex slavery right here in Bellevue, in our fancy hotels, okay? And so it says the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous 
so that justice is perverted. The wicked are getting off scot-free. Okay. Uh, what was I going to say about this slide? Um, anything else? I'm just going to move on here. All right. Then the Lord answers. Okay. Are you ready for the Lord's answer? <laughs> Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Okay, first the Lord says to him, look, open your eyes, see what's going on around you. You're not going to like it, but I want you to look at it. Habakkuk said, I don't want to look at it. He says, no, you look at it. I'm raising up the Babylons, that ruthless and impetuous people, to sweep across the whole earth, to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law unto themselves. They promote their own honor. And Habakkuk still has to listen because it's going to get worse. Their horses are swifter than a leopard, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. And I'm thinking, drones. <laughs> they all come intent on violence. There's that word again. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. These people knew about desert winds. They knew how horrible they were. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities. They build earthen ramparts uh, and they capture them. If you've ever been to Masada, the, the earth rampart is still there that the Romans built to come up to kill those that were hiding in Masada. But when they get there, got there, they were all gone, dead. Okay. And then Habakkuk says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my holy one, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. I love this prayer because I have done this when I was mad at God. I scream at him and I call him every name I know about him. Oh, omniscient, omnipresent one. Oh, all-powerful, oh, all-knowing, oh, all-everywhere. And he says, Lord, Yahweh, my God, Elohim, my creator, holy one, Lord, Yahweh again. And then finally, and sadly, my rock, you are supposed to be my protection. You're my rock. What are you doing? How could you ordain these people to punish me? How could you ordain this plague that's sweeping the earth right now? How could you ordain that? So, what is now going to be more into his prayer? Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Like, are you kidding, Lord, that you're doing this? What? What? How, you, you can't tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? Well, they could swallow up those more righteous than themselves. This complain to God is so personal and it's it's the way we should feel free to complain to God but he's got it a little wrong here because God does look at evil when I do inner healing prayer people come to me and they say why did God allow my father 
or my brother or my uncle to sexually molest me. Or they'll say, why did God let my child die? Or they'll say, why did God let my husband abandon me and my children? I don't have the answer, but God wants to meet people in their deepest need. In the worst moments of my life, I asked God why. I accused him of abandoning me and my family. I screamed at him when I was in the car. That's the best place to scream when you're mad at somebody, ladies. <laughs> Just don't be driving at the same time. <laughs> um, and I even had the arrogance to say, after all I've done for you, I do think that's funny. <laughs> but I had a friend who said to me, keep the faith, Robin. And even though that's trite, I thought, okay, she's right. I've got to keep the faith. Keep going. That little trite statement worked for me. Then Habakkuk goes on to say, you've made people like fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked folk pulls them in with hooks, catches them in nets, and gathers them in their dragnets, and then he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his nets and burns incense. He's worshiping his nets. He's worshiping his armies. I'm the most powerful king of all. I can do anything I want. For, uh, let's see, is he to keep on emptying his net and destroying nations without mercy? The word mercy is so important here. Paul says, I, I pray for you for grace and mercy. And, and one of the um, people that I listened to, a, a YouTube of a sermon, he said, this, people don't ask the God for mercy enough anymore. This should be our important prayer, to pray for mercy. But the Babylonians are treating people like fish to, decide, to devour. And they worship their net. Calling God for who He is. I know you are merciful. So, what does Habakkuk do? He says, I'm going to stand and watch and station myself in the ramparts. And I will look to see what He will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. How am I going to see what the Lord does? I'm going to stand here and I'm going to stand here and I'm going to stand here till you tell me why. No matter what happens. And I'm not leaving till I get an answer. I've laid out what I want from you, and I'm going to stand here. <coughs> now that reminds me a little bit of our Jonah. Because Jonah wanted to stand back and watch what God was going to do. But God has something else for Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk is saying, just like Job said in 1355, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So, I made an earlier reference to the suffering my family went through, and it was a journey that we began eight years ago. When it first began, and this affected everyone in my family, um, we implored the Lord to take it away. But he didn't take it away. So then we began to pray that at least, Lord, it would be of short duration. But it wasn't of short duration. Now, it's not that God did not answer those prayers. However, no one in my family died, and it could have happened. 
Somebody could have died, but no one died. And now they are beginning to come out of it in the darkness and that shadow of suffering. But if you had said to me eight years ago, Robin, eight years from now, you'll, you begin to see these things. Oh, that's not very comforting, is it? No, we want it now, thank you. Uh, but what that suffering did was change the way that I pray for people. When people come to me and they've gotten a terrible diagnosis of cancer, or you know their family has just fallen apart, or all of this, not only do I pray for them for healing, but I pray, Lord, do the deeper work, the deeper work that you want to do in this person. And then I ask the Lord to give me a vision of what he's doing in that person. And sometimes he'll give me a vision and he'll say, tell them that they are the rock that's holding this family together, or maybe they're the glue, or whatever it is, he, he gives me a vision to tell them that will give them some hope and some faith about what he is doing. Only God knows the deeper work that he is doing in your life. And only God knows what he wants for Habakkuk. And so he's gonna say to Habakkuk, the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on Facebook and plain on Twitter, and I want you to tell everybody what's going on so they will read it. I don't care what social media you use. Use it all, Habakkuk. Though it linger, wait for it. It'll come and it won't delay. God is giving them time, just like he gave the people, the Ninevites, time. And they repented and they got time. He's saying the same to the people in Israel. You, in Judah, I mean, you've got time. Wait for it. Turn to God. See the enemies puffed up, he says. His desires are not upright. They're terrible what he wants to do for you. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Ta-da! <laughs> Keep the faith. Keep the faith. The righteous will live by his faithfulness. So, this is the short answer that we get. But it's the most important answer that any of us could ever get. How can God use evil people? Well, he does sometimes to bring out the best in us, our faith in him. And the Apostle Paul will pick this up in Romans. He begins Romans by saying, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, you ladies are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells them that God has everything for them, though they are living in Rome, though they are a minority, though they have a wicked emperor, Though things are difficult for them, and they are going to get even worse. He says, now, in 17, for the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed in the righteousness that is by faith. From the first to the last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. And then... He's going to pick it up in Galatians 3.11. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The Galatians thought, if I live by a set of rules, I will be so perfect, God will love me. 
And I can't tell you how many times in interviewing prayer, I have to tell a person, your perfection does not matter to God. They come and they say, God must hate me because I'm not perfect. No, not an issue. Paul is saying here that just because you're not perfect, you will live by faith, not a pseudo-perfection. And then the author of Hebrews picks it up. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Hello, Habakkuk. I will not delay. But it's been a thousand years. But a thousand years are a day in my sight, he says. I have not all compared, is it? But it is true. <laughs> but my righteous will live by faith. God will come and help you live by faith his quality life in the midst of the darkness that you are experiencing. And now the Lord is going to tell Habakkuk about his justice. Why? Because God always has the last word. And vengeance belongs to God. God always has the last word. And so this next section, which I'm going to go through rather quickly, is about the arrogant and the greedy and how they are going to fall. Uh, they are like death, they're never satisfied, they gather nations, they take captives of the people. And then we start, there's five woes. Little and all then taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, woe to him who piles up stolen goods, uh, gets wealthy by extortion, um, gets in the creditors. Uh, so it's all, you, you, it's, Everybody is their prey. Well, we think, oh, I, that's why I hate the Old Testament. Whoa, whoa, curses, curses, curses. But may I remind you that last year when we taught Matthew, I got to teach Matthew 23, where Jesus pronounces seven woes. And these woes are to the religious leaders and Pharisees of the day who are misrepresenting the word of God and are treating people with disdain. Even Jesus, they are treating with disdain. So he says, woe to you who reject the kingdom. Woe to you who make children of hell and have the wrong use of scripture. And then the heart of what he says is, woe to you because you do not have justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Woe to you because you don't have those things. And then he echoes again the wrong use of scripture. You make children of hell and you reject the kingdom's messengers. But... Here's what we love about Jesus. For every curse, there is a blessing. And last year, when I taught it, I reminded you of the blessings that come in Matthew 5. The poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom. Those who mourn will be comforted. The meek will inherit the earth. Righteousness will be satisfied. The merciful will receive mercy. This is being echoed in everything we have looked at today. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart who will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be the children of God, not children of hell. And blessed are the persecuted for righteousness. They own the kingdom of heaven, which is right here, right now, when you use faith. That's the kingdom of heaven. And that's the Lord's message to you today and Habakkuk's message to you today. 
because they have plundered nations. I'm just gonna go along because I'm uh, wasting, not wasting time, but losing time. So here's the second row. They, they build a house and they do it with unjust gain. They plot ruin, um, even the stones and the, everything's gonna cry out that this was done evil with evil. Um, remember again, justice is the Lord's. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by what? Injustice, when there is no injustice, that is evil. For the Lord Almighty, God of angel armies, is determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing, but the earth, God has the last word, will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. So that's the third woe. Then we have the fourth woe. Ah, getting your neighbors drunk. Let's have, come over and have, yes, this is an abuse of alcohol and filling them with shame. But the cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence that you have done will overwhelm you. So they, they just, this, these are scorched earth people. They destroyed animals. They destroyed humans. They destroyed crops. They destroyed homes. And that's going to come back on you, he says, because whatsoever you sow, you will reap. And if you do that to someone else, it's going to come back and haunt you. So what value is, the, is what you're worshiping? What value is if you are worshiping what you're doing? It's of no value. It's sinking sand. But the, so then the last one, woe to him who says, come to life. The stone, wake up. And that gives you guidance. Well, is it covered with gold and silver and there's no breath in it? So when we look at this wall, we have to think, well, what, what are the idols that we have built for ourselves? Can we be some, can we figure out what we have made an idol in our own lives? Maybe we, maybe the idol we want is that we want a God in our own image. Maybe we want a God who will do what we say. Maybe we want a God who's not so mysterious and can be understood. But that's not the way he is. So to truly love God, you have to, you have to sink into the fact that you will not always understand who he is or what he's doing and say, keep the faith, Robin, keep the faith. And then he has this word. And this is the word I love. He says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. In other words, shut up. <laughs> that was 10 seconds. Did I get your attention? <laughs> 10 seconds of silence. We don't like silence. You even have to have music when you get in an elevator. We don't like silence. I see people on the walks, they've all got their headphones in. They don't like silence. We don't like silence. But we need to take silence to listen to what God is saying. And so Habakkuk is silent. He's silent before the Lord. And when he comes out of his silence, he hears a song. And he's going to say in Habakkuk 3, the sovereign Lord 
is my strength. The one I can't understand is my strength. And now I'm going to teach you a little song. Because Habakkuk is going to sing all chapter 3, which Kristen's going to teach next year, is a song. And so I'm going to teach you a song. And on your tables, there's a few. I think it's white. Is that Dodie? It's white. But I'm also going to put the words up here. <coughs> Read this with me. Though the tears may fall, my song will rise. My song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise. My song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes. I'll lift my eyes to you. Though the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes. I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you, Lord. And then we have the chorus. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll dance. In the shadows I'll sing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When I cannot see you with my eyes, let faith arise to you. The just will live by faith. When I cannot feel your hand in mine, let faith arise to you. The just shall live by faith. God of mercy, 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 mercy and love, I will praise you, Lord. Oh, you shine with glory, Lord of light. I feel alive with you. In your presence now, I come alive. I come alive with you. There is strength when I say, I will praise you, Lord. And then we have the chorus again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I'll sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when we sing it, this time, the chorus is repeated twice. And then we have, when sorrow comes my way, you are the shield around me. You're my rock, remember? Always you remain my courage in the fight. I hear you call my name. Jesus, I'm coming, walking on the waves, Reaching for your light. And then we have the chorus. And this time we're going to sing it three times. All right, we are ready, Ramphies. <laughs> <laughs>